0: No pressure then, no pressure. <laughs> I was going to say I need to be careful with what I say this morning because Sophie has decided, being a youth now, she can choose to stay in and she wants to check what I'm saying about her. <laughs> so we need to be careful what we're saying. So my title this morning is A Living Hope Gives Confidence. And uh, following various other preachers on this subject, a living hope, uh, Matthew last week mentioned the Olympics. Other people have mentioned regularly the referendum all things that you will remember this summer for. I wonder what you will remember this summer for. I'm sure Dan will remember it for the long, long holiday that he enjoyed. Um, I won't remember the beautiful weather. I probably won't remember the Olympics, actually. But I think this summer, for me, I will remember Pokemon Go. <laughs> Josh is the first time he's been allowed to use my phone. And uh, it's the first time he's ever, been asked, ever asked me if we can go for a walk. <laughs> Not only that, but can we walk the long way home, please, Mummy, so that I can hatch an egg? (laughs) It's a 10k egg, Mummy, we've got to walk a long way. Fair enough. (laughs) It only is, he walks along like this, staring at his phone. Sophie's game was, halfway through the summer, she didn't have it on her phone, how many people can we spot playing Pokemon Go as we go for a walk? Anyway, every so often he asks me, can we evolve this oddish or Zubat, or Drowsy, or they're all ridiculous names. <laughs> and he stands there and he watches this little creature spin and spin and spin and turn into something better and stronger. It struck me it'd be really nice if life was like that. If we could just stand there and spin and our challenges dis- disappeared. And uh, we evolved into a better version of ourselves. Unfortunately, life takes a bit of time, energy, and God's hand on us. So we can't have confidence in Pokemon Go, but what can we have confidence in? Let's look at our passage. It's 1 Peter 5, verses 5 to 11, and it'll come up on the screens. Peter says, all of you clothe yourselves with humility towards one another, because God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of sufferings. And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ after you have suffered a little while, ...will restore you and make you strong, firm and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. (coughs) I want to think, first of all, when you think of confidence, what do you think of? Initially, it's easy to think of that loud, slightly brash ability... ...to talk about absolutely everything and anything and sound knowledgeable about it. And we've all met people like that. It gets a bit wearing after a while if you work with them, and, or you live with them, and you start to realise... <laughs> there's not somebody like that in my house, sorry. Um, you start to realise, actually, they don't do it because they're confident, they do it because they're not very confident. The definition of confidence is being full of trust, belief in some power, trustworthiness, or the reliability of a person or thing, the feeling or belief that one can have faith in or rely on someone or something. I'm a teacher when I teach my higher chemistry course I know that I can give out the past papers and I can stand there and I can answer the past papers I don't need to practice every single one of them before I go into the room I have to say if I was teaching advanced higher the next stage up I would really struggle because I would have to practice the questions as most teachers do actually Um, and you'll all have things in your job that you're very confident doing you're confident doing them because you've done them or something similar before You've got enough knowledge or skills in the area to know that when you come across a problem, you can sort it out. Do you know, everyday life seems to be less predictable than a job sometimes. It can throw up situations we've not encountered before. We have to make decisions about your future. You have to choose what job you're going to do. You have to make decisions for your children. What school are they going to go to? Where are you going to live? What are you going to study as a course? We've got no way of knowing, standing there making that decision, how those decisions are going to turn out. That doesn't mean we should be frozen in limbo and we can't make any decision. Peter shows us we can have confidence in God and therefore we can make good decisions. In this passage, Peter tells us three things. He tells us to humble ourselves. He tells us to resist the devil. And then he tells us, God will make you strong, firm and steadfast. And I'm going to talk about each one of those little things. So first of all, humble yourself. He says, all of you clothe yourself with humility towards one another because God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. Cast your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Humility is all about putting others first. It's a bit of an alien concept in today's world. We're much more focused on ourselves. How can we get better? Have you had enough me time this week? And while those things aren't wrong, and we all do need time, and we do need to focus on ourselves sometimes, Peter's telling us to clothe ourselves with humility, to completely cover yourself. There should be an atmosphere of humility around us, a genuine and true interest in other people. Humility isn't always about grovelling. It's not always about agreeing with somebody else. It's not thinking of yourself as nothing. Jesus was really humble. Rather, it's about being prepared to listen or see that other people might have a better way of doing things. I'm really aware of this one. Sophie is um, becoming more independent. She likes to cook. Previously, the kitchen has always been my domain. And I know that, being a teacher, I'm a bit of a control freak sometimes. It's hard, I find it hard sometimes, to come in and let her bake and to make a mistake. I try to tell her not how not to do it or how to do it. I try, sometimes failing, not to take over, particularly when she does something differently from me. And I have to remind myself, she's just doing it differently. It's not wrong. (laughs) Humility is about being prepared to say you're sorry. That can be particularly hard, particularly if you've just yelled at your child for something, and then you have to turn around and say, actually, I got that wrong, I'm sorry. What prevents us having humility? Peter addresses that. Our concerns about ourselves and what happens to us. Peter recognises that we all have cares, we all have anxieties. He says, cast your anxiety on him. Literally throw it, throw your anxieties on God. In Psalm 55, 22, the psalmist uses similar language. He says, cast your burden on the Lord and he will sustain you. God knows we worry about ourselves. It's human nature. But God also knows that the barrier to putting others first is our concern of who will care for us. How will I sort out whatever it happens to be that's occupying your mind? The answer is God cares for us. He's so much more capable of caring for us and our family than we are. Casting our anxiety on him is our pathway to being humble and caring for others. We can rest assured the God who flung stars into space knows the number of hairs on our head can definitely help us make a right decision about where to live, what job to take, where to send our children to school. The message translates it, live carefree before God, he is most careful with you. The result of our humility is that in due time he may lift you up. Other translations state, at the the proper time, he will exalt you. In other words, we do our bit of being humble, and God will do the rest. That should definitely bring us some peace. We don't need to be striving to push ourselves forward at all times. We can just relax. The second thing Peter tells us is to resist the devil. He says, be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith because you know that your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of sufferings. The message version says, keep a cool head, stay alert. The devil is poised to pounce and would like nothing better than to catch you napping. Keep your guard up, You're not the only ones plunged into these hard times. It's the same with Christians all over the world. So keep a firm grip on the faith. The suffering won't last forever. Which is a bit more. Easy to understand. Do you know, we live in an age where you think of the devil and you think of a little red creature with spiky horns. That's the pictures that you see, isn't it? Either that, you're in this camp, or you're in the other camp over here, and you see the devil behind every single problem or difficulty that happens to you. Do you know, the Bible tells us that we need to take a a middle ground. Peter portrays the devil as prowling around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Devour is implying to swallow something up in one gulp. It's not something to be sniffed at. Jesus, however, doesn't spend his whole time looking over his shoulder to see where the devil is. You know, actually, he sort of just casts him out with a word. You know, in the desert, Jesus uses the scripture correctly to just tell the devil to go away. You know, he casts out evil spirits with a word. We don't need to focus on the devil, but we do need to be alert. We need to resist by standing firm in the faith. What does that mean? It means drawing strength from what we believe. It's not working it all up and making it better. It shouldn't be a great effort. We can stand firm. We can have confidence in the God who has already conquered the devil. Just look, Peter uses the word resist and not defeat. Jesus did the defeating. We just need to resist. That's much easier. Resisting sin and the devil takes place in our minds. Do you know, you don't go from standing here on a Sunday morning and then go out and murder somebody without quite a lot of steps in the way. We need to resist temptation. And Corinthians tells us we won't be tempted beyond what we can bear. And when we're tempted, God will provide us a way out so that we can stand up under it. Do you know, people talk about road rage in their cars, don't they? And I'm sure Ali might sympathise with me. I don't get road rage in my car, but I certainly do get bike rage. (laughs) Do you know, as you're going to work, and I've stopped going down the cycle path for this very reason, you're cycling along to work, and work, going to work time is the same time that dog owners take their dogs for walks. I'm sorry if you're a dog owner here. My mum is a dog owner and does exactly this thing, and I try to tell her very nicely sometimes, but I've given up. But do you know, you're cycling along quite fast because there's no other pedestrians around, and this dog is running all over the shop and you're like, where's it gonna go, where's it gonna go? And sometimes by the time I get to work, I'm so cross, I'm thinking the next person I see, I'm gonna actually throttle. <laughs> Do you know, like this. So, I've taken in the morning to pray on my bike on the way to work. <laughs> the time goes quicker and actually I normally have a much better day at work. Um, but. It is all about things that happen in your mind. Ephesians talks of putting on the full armour of God so that we can stand firm. The action we take is using the sword of the Spirit. That might mean that you need to go away and learn some Bible verses that are relevant to you. Do you know, um, in Lasers a few years ago, they started learning Bible verses, and they were given (coughs) prizes for learning Bible verses. And uh, when I was going to university and I was a new Christian a friend of mine and I, we uh, found this topical memory system. And we used to, work to uni- walk to university, to lectures, and we used to learn the verses. And we used to quote them to each other on the way. That was the way we, we learnt them. And I thought, you know, that's 20 years ago. I've forgotten all of those. But no, the same verses came back and they start the first three words. And I'm like, oh yeah, you can, you can remember them. And actually that remembering verses means that you can stand firm. You can resist. It's the truth of God we need. And the final thing on this point is, Peter encourages us with the fact that others are going through the same thing. Do you know, it's easy to think that when you're going through a hard time, nobody else is facing the same thing. It's easy to think that everybody else has it together. You know, you look around church and you think, everybody else has got it together and I haven't. Do you know, it's not true. We're all struggling with things. They're all different. But we're all struggling with things and we don't know what everybody else is struggling with but we can stand firm and we can resist the devil and the third point is god will make us strong firm and steadfast he says and the god of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in christ after you have suffered for a little while Will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. To him be the power for ever and ever. Amen. We've been singing about the God of grace this morning. I was quite excited by all of that. Um, but Peter is at the end of his passage. He's rejoicing in the fact that God calls us to a hope of glory. Amen. You can almost hear him getting excited. Do you know, it's a bit like the crescendo in a piece of music. Or it reminds me of when one of the kids has come in and had an exciting time and their words are like tumbling over each other to get out all the information that they want to tell you. Peter, remember, was the disciple who Jesus predicted would deny him three times. And he stood there and he said, No, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that. And then he did, he denied him three times. And then the clock struck and Peter remembered that was what Jesus said I was going to do. And Peter went away and he wept. He must have been a broken man. But when Jesus appeared to the disciples, there's no note of, oh, I'll appear to everybody else, but Peter, you've, you've denied me. That's it. Peter was welcomed back in. You know, he was welcomed with open arms. He was sent out with the others to tell people about Jesus, to make disciples of all men. He knows that forgiveness and recommissioning of Jesus. Peter had touched the hope of glory in Jesus. For us, that call to glory comes through the grace of God, the grace that can meet every single need we have. And I don't know all the needs that you have in this room, but I can be confident that God can meet all those needs. Peter describes the outworking of grace in four words. And it's not things I would have normally associated with grace. First of all, he says, God will make us complete. The NIV uses the word restore. And he's talking about complete in terms of giving order by providing what was lacking or putting right what was wrong. We don't need to wait for that to happen. It happens as... We're living life. Do you know, we're not waiting till the next thing has happened. We're not waiting till our sufferings are over. Actually God uses our sufferings to, to perfect us, to help us to grow, to change us. But he promises to make us complete. He says God will establish us. He's going to make us strong and or stable in the sense of something in a firm, fixed position. It makes me think of being anchored in the right place so that we're not going to be swayed in the wind or with every new fad or trend that's coming. God gives us, gives, God's grace gives us courage when we feel weak. But he establishes us. He puts us in a point. He grows us. He says God will strengthen us. Do you know, we often feel weak and we often look at situations and think, I can't manage this. And actually that's a feeling, and sometimes God's strength doesn't feel like us being strong, but we can trust that God is strengthening us. Do you know the only similar word in the Bible that's being used comes in Job. And when Job uses it, he speaks of the strength of a lion. You know, that's pretty strong. God's giving us the strength to be established. And fourthly, he says, God will place us on a firm foundation. The psalmist speaks of God founding and establishing the earth. It's the same thing. You know, God is placing us on that firm foundation that is in him. God's not stating this. Sorry, Peter's not stating this as a wish or a prayer. Quite often these things in the Bible do come up as they're being prayed. This is actually, in this case, stated as a promise that God is going to carry it out. It's this part that can give us confidence. You know, God is promising what he is going to do. We all feel weak, we all feel vulnerable, we all have difficulties. A few years ago, a colleague of mine um, was retiring and true to form, we went out for a meal and we did a little collection and we gave her a gift. And uh, she was a slightly eccentric lady, fantastic teacher, slightly eccentric lady, she decided in her goodbye speech that she was going to address each person in the department. Of course, you all start to feel nervous about what she's going to say about somebody, but there was one person in particular, we were all sitting there thinking, what's she going to say about this particular person who we all knew she'd had a lot of clashes with? So we were a bit worried. That part passed okay, and she moved on to me. And she said, I was quietly confident... I was sitting there thinking, I never feel like that at work. She said she wasn't sure what it was, but that nothing made me flap. That I would take everything in my stride. And I was sort of thinking, you're not talking about the same person here. That is not what I feel at work. You know, I often get in a flap inside. I was a bit surprised. I looked around the room and all the other people in my department were nodding, going, yeah, that's true that's so true it was almost like it had taken them by surprise because she'd actually said it in words it it took me by surprise because that's not what I feel like but actually that's the grace of God outworking in my life that they can see something that I don't see and that God is working a firm foundation in my life the grace of God building a firm foundation in our lives is a promise to us all as believers in Christ notice it's not me making it happen or you making it happen each time it's god will make us complete god will establish us god will strengthen us god will place us on a firm foundation do you know god created the universe he can definitely do these things in our lives if you're not a christian here today and what i'm saying may sound like total gobbledygook But you too can experience the grace of God. You too can experience this confidence that we have. We have this grace of God because Jesus died on the cross for us. If you want to find out more, then by all means speak to somebody who stood up here this morning. They'd be good people to start with. Or there's an Alpha course starting at the end of September. You'll get a meal, you can watch a video, and you can get to ask as many questions as you like, which is great. But you know, we can have confidence because of what God is doing. He cares for us, he enables us to resist the devil, he enables us to stand firm in our faith, and God, by his grace, is restoring, establishing, and strengthening us to build us on a firm foundation. It's because of this we can have a hope and a confidence. It's not based on what we're doing, it's based on, what, on God. So i've said three things i've said we need to humble ourselves because god will exalt us at the right time we don't need to worry about that we need to resist the devil it's not a big thing it's about guarding your mind and after that god will do the rest he will make you strong firm and steadfast and it's because we know that god is at work that we can have confidence we can praise god because of this can't we yeah Yeah. I want to praise God